0: Welcome to the Winning with Shopify podcast. This is the podcast that will teach you to take your Shopify store and turn it into a business-growing sales machine. It has the latest marketing, email, sales, SEO, and social media advice, and also has strategies and tips from the experts without fluff. Your host is Nick Truman. He's a Shopify expert and an education partner with the Shopify-approved course, 1,000 Sales and Beyond. He's the CEO of JustAskParker.com, a global specialist marketing agency for Shopify. Shopify owners. Nick has over 13 years' experience in digital marketing, from PPC and SEO through to digital transformation of businesses. He's helped hundreds of brands from startup Shopify stores through to international enterprises that operate in hundreds of countries. Nick will be sharing his knowledge and interview the experts to help you in your journey to success. Also, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast so you never miss an episode. Now, here's your host, Nick Truman.
1: Hi, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Winning with Shopify podcast. We're in the middle of a very, very exciting series, not just because I've been working in PPC for about 15 years now. its the first job I got out of college, but also because I think it's such an important part of how businesses can grow, especially within e-commerce. So today is going to be part three of that. If it's your first time you're listening to my podcast, please do hit the subscribe button. We've been going for a couple of years now. We're getting thousands of listeners a week. Loads of people are joining in in terms of subscribers, people sending messages. We've also got a Facebook group you can probably find in the description, depending on which platform you're listening to my voice on. There'll be a link there to the Winning with Shopify Facebook group, so please go and check that out. I'm constantly getting told off for not plugging that enough. Um, But please do go in there. You can start conversations with other store owners. You can submit questions for us to talk about on the podcast and that sort of thing. But anyway, bringing it back to today. Today, we're going to be in part three of our PPC series. So we're going to be talking about how to make money from Facebook PPC, so it's pay-per-click advertising. I've got a very, very special guest with us today, and I apologize in advance. We both talk incredibly quickly. And because we talk so quickly, we encourage each other to talk even faster. So if you want to listen to today's podcast on a slightly reduced speed, please feel free but my very special guest is kevin from Voy media kevin hi and welcome back to the show hey nick thanks for having me super excited to be back and share some lessons from facebook ads awesome awesome and how are you at the moment obviously we're recording this only a week or so before it's going out so it's late november here in the uk and in, in the us and obviously across the whole world the world follows the same calendar but how are you finding things at the moment as a, as a business obviously there's another lockdown here and things are looking up with vaccines but how is it looking for for you guys at the moment so
2: for us it's 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 obviously Thanksgiving week here. It's really busy with just clients in general. They have a lot of stuff happening this week with this marketing or PPC. But other than that, we're just some clients are emailing us that kind of like afraid of what's going to happen. Obviously with the US too, it's like people are going to be out of work again. So the whole like stimulus stuff is like kind of a people, some fear there. So that's kind of like the sentiment we're getting, but at least for us, me, I've been stuck at home for what, maybe six months now. So Nothing's really changed for me in that sort of point. Sure, Yeah, so, but that's kind of what we're getting from clients. It's this sentiment of like, what's going to happen again? And of course, there's also, you probably know, you probably heard the news too. It's like the vaccine's out. So there's like some hope. It's like hope plus not hope. So it's like, it's a weird phase for people, right? Yeah.
1: And I almost feel like as soon as they announced the first vaccine, all the others are then rushing to the party. Just just a quick FYI, I'm not medically trained at all. <laughs> and I'm making no medical claims or anything about the about the vaccine itself. But just to say that it, it was kind of like they've been saying for a while, haven't they? There's going to be one will be announced and all of them will suddenly follow suit. Because a lot of the trials started around the same time. There's one set of rules to trial a vaccine. and it's You've got to vaccinate X amount of people and monitor the results for X amount months. So, yeah, So it's, it's certainly an exciting time. And I think certainly looking at some of the markets, some markets have been sort of bouncing back and that kind of thing. But what I found really interesting, and just a quick question before we dive into Facebook advertising, what are your clients thinking about kind of post lockdown in terms of certainly the e-commerce clients? What are, they, what are their feelings in terms of post lockdown? Are they all just looking forward to it? Are any of them a bit nervous about it, about people going back into physical shops and e com seeing a drop? I think
2: what's going to happen is At least for me, what I'm thinking is there's going to be people still want to look at products in physical spaces, right? Like, especially you're trying like sneakers, clothing, what I think is going to happen, it's sort of what we kind of saw happening with a lot of DTC brands is there's going to be like more showrooms, right? So at least here in the city, there's like malls that are just like showrooms now. Like obviously you probably know Casper. Casper doesn't sell the beds at places, but they have showrooms where people can try the firmness, try how they look, or even just try like how they feel, right? So another company that did this too, I'm not sure if you guys have it there, it was called Bonobos. Have you, do you guys have that there, Bonobos? I, I know the brand, but I don't think we have them in the UK. I don't think they're present there. So Bonobos, for the longest time, you can never buy stuff from their store you can only try on their new clothing. And then if you want to buy, you would like a assistant will help you buy online. And I think this is going to be happening a lot. And I was trying to figure out why they did this. And there's so many benefits for, for an e-commerce owner is Bonobos was saying like, there's no theft because we don't take any orders here. We don't take any inventory. There's no like extra overhead that stores like CVS, for example, have to like think about theft and law prevention. They said, we just don't sell anything. We just have the one shirt that you can try on and that's it. And if you want to buy online, you go to the kiosk and order through the iPad, right? So I feel like that type of concept is going to be happening more. And I think what's going to be interesting is because before, obviously you probably know, like people were charging based on foot traffic. So maybe it's still worth it, but I don't know. It's like, I feel like the showrooms are kind of interesting things that um, are going to happen because like I said before, people still want to feel and touch things.
1: Yeah, definitely. I would definitely agree with that. And I think, I think, as you say, I think offline and online are going to merge together a bit more. And I think that there's been lots of talk about it for probably 10 years now, and it's not really happened. But yeah, I think having the online and offline world of like, we've got one in stock, you can come and see it. And then you can order your actual specifications via our web portal or via the website when you get home, that sort of thing, I think makes a lot of sense. But Let's talk about Facebook, because Facebook is where we are headed today. Just a quick outline, because this relates into this perfectly. Just give us a quick 101 about Void Media. What what gives you the authority to talk about Facebook advertising on on the podcast?
2: Yeah, so Void Media here, we're just a Facebook ad agency. It's really what we do for 90% of the clients. So at least for our Background Me and Wilson are the founders of the company. We really started doing Facebook ads for a bunch of our own brands. Like, I have my own e commerce company, I have my own outdoor gear, and then we also have like our, our luggage company, but then we also do. Uh, Facebook ads for like one of my local businesses, which is a cleaning company. So, here at Boy Media, our team now is about 25 people where we focus on the Facebook stuff, but then also it's going to be the creative stuff, which is what we've seen to help drive the results for a lot of the brands that we're working with right now.
1: Nice, nice. And I think certainly as we go on, I think it'll become more apparent as to why you create content as well. If you haven't already, listen to this podcast episode first. But then feel free to rewind and listen to when Kevin and I were having a bit more of a general discussion about Facebook. It must have been about three or four months ago now, which is on the same podcast. So it was an older episode. So please feel free to go back and check that out afterwards as well. So obviously, we're talking about Facebook advertising today, Kevin. We've got adverts that are running on Facebook, not exclusively, and we might touch on this later. But generally speaking, you're trying to drive customers to your store to make a purchase. We're, tr- we're here trying to generate new customers. It's customer acquisition. So give us a quick 101. How does Facebook work when it comes to PPC ads?
2: Yeah. So Facebook works. It's it's. I think Facebook is a little bit more complicated sometimes than PPC, but it's almost as easy. And the reason why I'm saying that is because as the platform is growing and as the platform is sort of progressing, Facebook is just making it easier. But really how it works, it's for us at least, let's say you have an outdoor gear company like we do. So on Facebook, you can now go to targeting and target people that are into this sort of outdoor gear space. And Facebook just gives you so many options. Um, so for example, hiking is a big one, climbing, outdoor, outdoor gear. Those are all interests that you can go to Facebook and type it in and target people that are that Facebook has shown to uh, be interested in this group. And then one thing that you'll be thinking about is like how does Facebook get all this data. Facebook just has a lot of like pixels all over the web where they're constantly building this sort of profiles about you and sort of what you'd like to do. And, it doesn't necessarily mean like that you like stuff on Facebook. It's just that you're Googling like outdoor gear companies, you're Googling e-commerce companies, something like that. So Facebook knows. And then after that, you can just tell Facebook, hey, what your budget is. So your budget can be as low as $1 a day or even as high as like $10,000 a day. So once you set your budget, and the budget is a great question people sometimes ask, it really depends on what you're selling. So if you're selling a widget that costs 10 bucks, maybe you want to spend at least $100 a day to sort of see if you get sales. But if this $100... Daily budget doesn't make sense if your product costs like $1,000, then you'll you'll be waiting like 10 days potentially to get a conversion, right? So And that's like pointless because uh, you won't even make enough data. But then once you sort of figure out your budget, the next thing that you need to do for Facebook, which is probably the hardest thing for people, I think, at least initially, and then once you sort of get it going, you kind of realize it's not that bad. It's, it's going to be that creative. And that creative is going to be the image or the video that you make for your product. Most people start off with, let's say you're selling for us, we have trekking poles that we sell you probably have product photos and you probably want to put that as your first ad because like, that's what you think is going to work. But then that used to work like five, six years ago. But then uh, you, you probably seen the nick. like now the creatives and stuff on Facebook is just so much cr- more creative, which is crazy. And that works a lot better now. But that's kind of like how it works in a form where Facebook really, you tell Facebook, hey, I want to find people that are interested in this thing that I think my brand kind of resonates with. And then I'll go and find those people. And it does a really good job of doing it because like brands are spending tons and tons of money on Facebook. So I definitely... Yeah, that's kind of like how it works in a nutshell. Sure.
1: And I think, yeah, the the two main elements you really need there, one is to highlight who you think your customer is, so how you're actually going to set up an audience to reach them. So like, as you say, interested in this, this age demographic, this location, you can even target based on income and things, can't you? So you can say, well, it's a luxury product. So we probably want to target higher earners with this. So actually, this is a product for anyone. So actually, we might start at the lower end, or we might run three campaigns, one for sort of low, middle, and then higher earners, and see which one converts best and run some tests against all of them. And the second thing, as you say, you need, and I, I, I'm I, a little bit old school, as, as a, a lot of my listeners will know, I'm a little bit old school in, in the way I approach this. And I always sort of say that it's, it's basic marketing, but the technology you can use for that marketing is changing. So, when you talk about the creatives getting, and I like the phrase you say, the creatives are getting more creative. And it's absolutely true. But actually, in my my experience, I think that the digital world is just starting to wake up to the fact that the non digital world that's been around for hundreds of years now, advertising things, selling things, the digital world's starting to discover that we need some sort of USP, a differentiator, some cool content to say, like, why this is the best product you know, if you go about hundreds of years, there were products that you could buy, like some of the first mass produced soaps and stuff. And they used to have these things saying this soap will keep you clean all day. And that was a USP because that was the first ever soap advert. So it was <laughs> unique. There was probably no other alternative apart from people making their own soap before that. Whereas in digital, as you say, you, you've got to have a really good creative, a good image, a good video, something that's going to A, capture some attention and B, actually explain the product in a way that makes people think I want to be that person holding that product or wearing that product. That's what I aspire to be like. And you've targeted me correctly. So I am interested. What would you recommend then as the best mechanism to start with the best kind of initial campaign somebody should set up? And the scenario for this question is, You've got a small Shopify store. They've got a few sales trickling in now. They're starting to get a little bit of traction. And they're thinking, right, I'm going to start some PPC. They haven't listened to episode one and two of this series. So they don't know about Google yet. But they're going to think, right, I'm going to start on Facebook. What? What's your advice? Where's the best place to start? You mentioned about getting enough data first. But is, are there any sort of quick wins, any good advice on which campaign type to start with or which targeting set to use or where should they go in the, in that initial phase?
2: Yeah, so I would say initially obviously you have your shopify store already obviously you have your pixel on your website you definitely need that for whatever store you're doing it could be shopify or- and that's facebook pixel isn't it yep the facebook pixel correct cool and really most products i tell people all the time so we tried like retargeting, and retargeting is just showing your ads or your products to people that have been to your website already. Really, I'd say like you want to set up a retargeting campaign for the last seven days of people that have been to your website, that have seen your products, or that have interacted with your Instagram. And the reason why I say this is because the ROI on these retargeting campaigns is going to be massive for you. Within seven days, you can try to convince someone to come back and buy again, and this is going to be so good for you. And, the, and campaigns that you want to set up for here are going to be image ads. Where it's like with a product that you're selling or like another image of a founder for example we've seen that work really well and then your ad copy could be like why you started the brand nowadays your usp is probably related to people like hey i started this brand because i was looking for an alternative to mass produced soap right that's an that's a usp now it's like yeah yeah <laughs> so and then or you can do another you could do a video of showing your product being used on somebody or show a video of your product being made people like these sort of videos that like show how things are made so that's an interesting ad that we see work really well Another video ad that we see work really well for the sort of retargeting phase is unboxing it. People want to know that what they're getting is actually a real thing. People are still skeptical to buy online. So I think if you show people, hey, look, this product actually gets delivered, you can actually open it and use it. That's a great one. So those are three already that you could do. But one that works really well is what Facebook has. It's called dynamic catalog ads. And dynamic catalog ads are ads where Facebook will just show your products that people have seen before dynamically in like a carousel and Facebook will automatically pick what product they think that user is gonna convert for. And that really gives you a great ROI. So I definitely recommend at least those type of four campaigns that you put in your retargeting because it's really where you get your most bang for your buck and then you can focus on more new cold traffic. Sure, sure. And I think it's certainly a good place to start.
1: Um, With e-commerce, it's always a bit of chicken and egg, isn't it? Whenever I've asked anybody a question about anything e-commerce, the answer is always, yes, yeah, so look at your current customers. And I know there's going to be people out there who don't have current customers. I just want to make the point really quick about if you don't have any customers yet, what you'll find in business is we have this phrase called hard graft. The way you get your first 100, 200 sales, something like that, is going to be hard graft. We have a bit of a course at Parker that, that Caroline uh, Caroline heads up, which is the Thousand Sales and Beyond and that's how to get your first 1,000 sales. But as Kevin says, do the hard graph bit first. And then once, once you've done that, have a look at what Kevin's talking about in terms of some of these different campaign types um, that you can start to use. Now, Kevin, I'm going to quote you from last time we had a chat about Facebook advertising. And you were talking about something very exciting, which I'm a huge advocate of. And that is lookalike audiences. How does a lookalike audience work on Facebook?
2: Yeah, lookalike audiences are amazing and something you should be doing. But yeah, it goes back to kind of what you said before just now where you need to have enough data and you need to at least have a 1000 or 2000 customers that have purchased from you. So, really the first 1000 is probably the hardest. Maybe even the first 100s the hardest cuz you got to really figure out who these people are, how, what's going to make them convert. And then in the beginning, you probably know Nick, it's like is it my website that's good? Is it my ad that's bad? Is it my copy that doesn't make sense? It's so hard that like you're trying to figure it out. But once you sort of pass over that hump and you're getting a thousand customers, what you could do for Facebook, it's they have an option in the, the pixel settings that says create a lookalike audience from previous customers. And really, this is exactly what that means. It's Facebook will say you'll tell Facebook, hey, look, these are customers that I've purchased from me. Can you find me other people that similar to this that might purchase from me? And I think that's the key thing. It's like it's not going to be exactly people that are going to purchase, but Facebook says, hey, based on the attributes of these people on their platform, here are other ones that might be interested in your product as well. And then at least for us here in the USA, we have like a 1%, 2%. So with your 1% look like audiences, you'll get a potentially 2.1 million people that might buy your product. Obviously, 2.1 million people buy your product, that'd be great. Like you'd probably run out in like a day, but- That's a big budget, isn't it? (laughs) Yeah, 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 it's a big, big budget. Yeah. But this just sort of shows you the potential of Facebook says, hey, look, like these people in here have shown similar characteristics of other customers in your database. Let me go show them to you and then try to advertise to them as well. And that's so powerful because what we've seen for us here at Void, you could do 1%, 2%, 3% lookalike audiences. And this is just sort of 1% to 3% just means like the amount of people. So 1% will be 2.1, 2% will be 4.2, 3% will be 6.3. You see how it's like Facebook, you can expand more to get more customers. But With lookalike audiences, and something important to understand is you still need to market to these people. You still need to give them a USP. It's it's essentially just a cold audience. It's not retargeting. So it is people that have never heard about your brand, and you still need to instill some trust into your products or service that you might want to be selling to them. But I think uh, if you can get to those 1,000 customers, you can do lookalike audiences. One key thing here, too, is obviously I mentioned a thousand purchases. It doesn't need to be purchases. It could be website visitors. It could be people that add to cart. So you can do a, a higher level sort of metric to get a lookalike audience, um, but they're not going to be as warm or as good as like a purchase lookalike audience. So that's kind of how you should be thinking about it too. Cool. I, I, yeah, I, I completely agree with all of that.
1: And I think one of the points I want to make, and my my next question as well, Kevin, is the, the hard work's not done, is it? Just because you've got a Facebook lookalike audience doesn't mean you're finished by any means does it you still got to look at the creative the usp the marketing angle and that kind of thing so is there anything you can learn from your lookalike audience that may also then help you in terms of putting together a creative or working out what your message for this specific campaign is going to be or would you just go down the road of just dynamic product ads as you mentioned earlier or What would your approach be with with a lookalike audience?
2: Yeah, with the lookalike audience, what's great about the lookalike audience is you can use some of the Facebook insights tools to see who's kind of buying your products. So once you can see that, you can at least sort of maybe look at some of the age, kind of what you said before, Nick, or even look at the demographic as male or female. So for example, for us, when we were doing our Outdoor Gear company, we thought initially our audience was going to be maybe that 21 to 34-year-old. And that's really who we were targeting in the beginning a lot through Facebook ads. But as we were advertising more and more and making more lookalike audiences, this is maybe like a year into us running the company. We didn't realize who our audience was for like the longest time because I think as any business owner, you kind of want to sometimes force feed who your customers are. You're like, this is who my customers going to be, right? So yeah, like,
1: definitely. So, <laughs> yeah.
2: so this is why stuff like Facebook is great because they'll literally tell you and Really, you sometimes as a business owner, you're just fighting against that, right? So you're just like, no, this is not who my customer is. So like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's two types <laughs> yeah. of business
1: owner, and I'll, I'll leave it at that. But yes, no, I could completely I completely
2: understand where you're coming from. So anyways, after we were looking at some of the data that Facebook showed us, we really saw that the 45-plus people were buying most of our products, our trekking poles. We thought it was going to be like an outdoor gear company, but it turned out the people that were buying the products were more 45 plus because they needed to just walk around their neighborhood to walk around hikes once we saw this we then changed our creatives into models that are much older than our younger looking models, but also we changed our USP to be like, walk without pain. Your knees don't need to hurt anymore while you're walking. And then that really helped us out with the creative. And that was all just from us looking at some of the lookalike audience data and just looking at some of the customer purchase data that Facebook showed us. So there's so much insights in there that you can take. And it kind of goes with what you said. It's like, you just need to use it to your advantage. And Facebook's telling you, this is who's buying the product. You need to update your creative, update your images, update your website. For us, our ROI just increased by 20, 30% once we started making these changes. And initially, we're like, oh man, we got to do all new images, all new copy, and it sucks, right? But then it's so much better in the long run.
1: Sure. And I think, yeah, some absolutely valuable points there. And I'm going to give a completely alternative point to this as well, something else to throw in the mix as if there isn't enough to think about already. There's kind of two sides to this. One is you can look at it and say, that to our audiences, let's just purely cater for them. And the second way to look at it, which is kind of what you said, you know, sort of in, in your first point about business owners going, no, no, we're targeting these guys. Trust me, I'm a customer, I know. And I think there's, there's definitely an element of that still in there, isn't there? So I think we sometimes use the phrase in marketing don't just target the obvious. Like the best brands out there, they build, you know, I'll name the classic ones like Apple, for example. They've built a kind of persona and personality around the brand. And they've done it in a smart way where like anybody from grandma and grandpa right the way down to a child at school can be using an Apple product right the way through the range. But there's definitely a soft kind of working with Apple is easy. It's seamless. It just works. Everything looks great. Nothing weighs too much. They've absolutely nailed this thing. And I think, yeah, just to make the point that this lookalike data is great, but you still need to think about what is our brand that we're going to layer over the top so as you say Changing your tagline to like walk without pain, I think it's a really, really, really key message. But equally, the sort of imagery and the font you use and the color scheme can give two very different messages. One could be quite aggressive and sort of say, right, walk without pain, pain is gone, almost like you're sort of starting a war. The alternative message could just be somebody laying on the sofa, who's just come back from a lovely walk, they've got a cup of tea and it's all nice and relaxing and lots of nice white tinting in the imagery. Do you know what I mean? It's the same message, but you could do it in two very different ways. And I think. One of the biggest things we definitely see is missing. And I, I say this a lot on the podcast is a lot of new businesses we talk to are ones that kind of come to say, I just haven't made it work yet. Can you help? And one of the challenges we always have is the, the brand just hasn't got a personality. It's just kind of, it's just stuff for the sake of stuff. There's a lot of drop shippers out there and some of them are doing really, really well. And some of them are just, just because you've selected the best 20,000 products in drop shipping doesn't mean that you can forego having an actual Brand personality and a color scheme and a proper logo and thinking about the design of your site and not just buying a fifty dollar template for Shopify and thinking it's done. I think there's you really really need to work at this stuff. And some of the brands I buy from, some of the brands I like, don't have the best websites, but they have good brands like buying recycled products, lifetime warranty products, etc. So I think, yeah, I think lookalike data is absolutely amazing. But what I'm sort of saying is, don't. Don't just bow down to the data and do what you think it's saying. You can still work, we need to work that data into a way that you can prove using further data that it now starts to work for your customer. Because I can imagine that you're walking equipment. I can't imagine for a second that you just changed a couple of taglines and, oh, it's all working now, just leave it. We're making millions. Yeah. There's probably still quite a long journey that you've been on
2: with it, haven't you? Exactly. And, and I think what you said is so important. It's The data is good, but you still need to be creative on top of it. It's, you're still building a brand because if you just go on data, it'll be a very boring company to run or a very boring like website. And it's like it's not going to be fun for you or anybody doing it. <laughs> so... I think kind of what you said earlier today in this podcast was like soap is a common product and you're seeing a lot of soap companies on Facebook and you're seeing that they're very creative. Like a company that I tell people to always look at is called Dr. Squatch and they sell just men's soap online. But if you look at their website, if you look at their ads, they're very comedic. So they have like some sort of branding, but, and they still target their customers really well, which is like the millennial. And they're making ads that are funny. They're making ads that resonate. Um, And they're growing. So it's like you can still be funny and and creative with the data. The data is just there to guide you and make sure that you're making like good informed decisions. But they just shouldn't make the decisions for you. You still need to be kind of just thinking about things. Definitely. And I think sometimes even if you
1: see some sales coming in for a particular keyword on Google or a particular audience or, or, or demographic in Facebook, doesn't mean you should continue advertising to them. Because I think then when you start to take a longer view of the business, you then start to say, well, actually, do we want customers who are retired? Loads of spare money, loads of spare time, family to support them. So if they like something, family might buy it for them as well. So we've now got the whole gifting arm of the business. We can really start to grow this. Whereas if you see younger people are starting to buy this and you go down the road of sort of really, really trendy, young branding, all very exciting, loud music on the videos, et cetera. And then it doesn't work, well you've you've lost both audiences now, the new and the old one. So you've got to be very, very careful, I think, as well about getting it right in the early days. And then as you say, start to grow it and keep that personality nice and nice and big.
2: Yeah. And I think too what's important, especially at least on Facebook, once you start scaling and spending a lot of money. Let's say for so for us, at least for Facebook ads, what we're doing, we're doing, like I said, we, we did brand new photo shoots of people walking. We, we did testimonial videos of people at like homes, like hospitals, talk about our polls, that content worked really great. So going back to Facebook ads, we still see testimonial ads do really well. So if you can ask your customers to just give you a video, them talking about your product or using the product that performs so well for the top of the funnel, that still trust. And it also goes back to what we we're saying before with the data. It's For us, we're only showing models that look older or customers look older because that's the person that resonates with them. So for you as a business owner, this content is very easy to get. All you need to do is just send an email saying, hey, we're looking for video testimonials. And in that email, give them two to three other videos that you like that they can replicate. Because if you just tell them like a free-for-all, you're going to get something really bad. You need to at least give them some guidance, and then you can use those for your Facebook ads. Um and that's what we did and again some incentives does help so like twenty five dollar gift card or to your store so that's useful for video ads but going back to what you're saying before Nick the data is there to be helpful for you but it also you need to be thinking about it long term, kind of what you said, because then that really informs your product decisions for the future. Because if for us, we're selling 50 plus products now. So we're thinking about, oh wow, like we need to our product line is gonna be so different now in order for us to continue making sales in order to continue selling to these people. Because you probably know, like you don't want to just sell product once or item once. Once you have the customer, you want to sell them two or three times. That way you can make more money. Um, so at least for us, we're now we're thinking about books about like walking pain or joint pain, which is so crazy because like two years ago, I am like, I would never thought I would be doing this now. So yeah, definitely. I, I was, yeah.
1: I, I remember you telling me about the brand before and it's, yeah. it, it's, it's hilarious, yeah, but it's, yeah. it's a classic, you know, it's a classic business model. I think, yeah. I mean, if, if you look at any business, what it's doing today, when it's successful is so far from what it started out trying to do mm-hmm. like Microsoft. I, I was reading a book recently where somebody just briefly outline how Microsoft made their first few, first few billions. And it was nothing to do with computers. They were basically building card tra- uh, machines to take card payments that connected into the till. I met the guy, I've completely forgotten his name now, which is really embarrassing, but I, I met him a couple of years ago. And he was the guy that headed up that division for Microsoft. He now owns Layton Orient Football Club in the UK, which is um, one, of the, one of the ways in which I met him. But yeah, it was, it was just really, really interesting seeing how far it had moved. Bringing it back to Facebook quickly I've got a question about uh, creatives and I didn't ask you this last time and I haven't asked you so far today but it sounds to me like video is that the best creative to go with are you saying video is the core type of creative or is there still a place for like those little Facebook text ads or promoted posts or stills what are, what are your thoughts on content like is it is video always going
2: to be at the center of this We still like using video a lot for top of the funnel but and for us at least we have like a video template or script that we like to use and I can, I'll can i share it to you in a little bit. But going back to what we said about images and stills, those still work well. I tell people you still should be using images. If you're doing dynamic product ads, uh, the catalog ads, it's only images, so yeah, they work really well. But then for retargeting purposes, we still see images kind of perform a little bit better than video sometimes. So like anything, it just test it out. Don't just give up on images. We sometimes see images give us cheaper results because it's like a different sort of, you're entering the auction on Facebook at a different price. So you can get sometimes cheaper, but going back to kind of like, before we say like, what's, what's Facebook useful for? So obviously with Google, you can type, you can put in a keyword and people are looking for that product, right? So a little bit more intent. Whereas for Facebook, it's kind of like branded plus direct response. So you really, you're kind of showing your product. Or service to people that maybe don't even think they need it so that's why i think a video is great because within 30 seconds you can explain to them your product your solution and how much it might cost so for us we have a script template that we run for all the brands we work with and and here's how it goes it's just seven parts pretty short but you can this could be a three minute video or even like a five minute video or even less than that it could be 30 seconds depending how quick you want to cut some scenes but really the first thing we always tell people, it's like, you want to start off your video ad with a hook. And a hook is just something that's catchy, interesting, that's going to make someone stop on their phone to look at your ad. And then here, when you're thinking about you're running your this sort of video ad, I always tell people it's write multiple versions of this because you want to be testing. So ideally, you want to do a three or five. And this is really just so that you as an owner can get into this like sort of testing mindset. Because if you sometimes, if you write one and you create this whole ad, you're going to be like in love with it. And you're like, I can't believe it doesn't work. And you don't want to change it. But if you already know that, hey, this one might not work. Let me think of another hook. Then you're sort of in this mindset of testing, testing things. So number one, always start with a hook. Number two is the problem. I tell people all the time, tell people the problem that you think your problem is your products has so for example, soap, it's like, Hey, tired of smelling all day. That's a problem. Right? So then it's like, Oh yeah, I do have that problem. <laughs> wouldn't, wouldn't admit it out loud, but yes, I, I, I completely understand. That's yeah. good. So, so then three would be solution saying, Hey, look at Kevin soaps. We made a soap that lasts all day. You can go two days without showering. You're like, Oh, Whoa, like what is this? Great. Right? Okay. So present them your solution. Right. And you can say this within five to 10 seconds. And then four would be have a CTA. Always have some sort of call to action. Be like, hey, go to our website or buy now. Hey, we have a 20% code off for like Black Friday. should buy now. And again, here as well, test multiple call to actions. It could be shop now, buy now, on sale now. You want to be testing stuff here that's going to make people want to click. And then again, step five would be add some more credibility. When I say credibility, I talk about maybe uh, ask a testimonial, add some reviews, maybe mention some magazines that your soap's been featured on. You really want to be overcoming doubts of people. Because remember, this is a new product. They haven't heard about you. And then, six, you want to have another CTA, which could be like, hey, we only have 100 left, something like that, something catchy or something hooky. And then last section would be an outro. Outro could just be like maybe a 10-second video that shows uh, more more of a branded type of campaign for you. So then really, like I said, within these seven steps, it could be a 30-second ad or it could be a five-minute ad. But we've seen that this sort of formula works really well. And really, it's going to be one, two, and three are really like the most key things that you could be doing, um, which is the hook, the problem, solution, and then making people do their thing in in your video ad. Nice. I I love the simplicity of it as well. And I think
1: one of the biggest issues I see with videos, and I sometimes contact companies if I see these on YouTube and on Facebook in terms of a video ad, is when they just don't say anything. Or you have to wait like 20 seconds before you're like, oh, it's a shaving foam. Like, it's like, I don't need to know necessarily it's a shaving foam instantly, but sometimes advert can start. And sometimes it gets to five seconds, and I click the pause button rather than skip on YouTube, and I'm sitting there going, Right. What could this be? This is so far all I've seen is a mountain. I'm not really encaptured by this. I, you know, the, as you said, there's no hook, and so I, I, love the simplicity of starting with a hook all the way down to a, a second call to action at the end as well. I think really, really strong. And and the, the last kind of question I've got as well is when we're talking about video, everybody just kind of sits back slightly and is like, oh my gosh, that's going to be expensive. You mentioned earlier about getting content from your customers offer them a little voucher I think that that's such a unique and very very interesting way of starting with it definitely if you've got an older demographic of more spare time what are some other ways you can get hold of video does it have to be expensive do you recommend start really cheap and when you find the thing that works, get a full camera crew, bring in Netflix to come and film something? Or what, what's, what's what's the best way to approach video specifically for Facebook advertising?
2: Yeah. So getting content, I think is so important, especially if you want to advertise on Facebook, where if I tell business owners, if you really want to do advertise on Facebook, then you need to be thinking about content and how you're going to produce it. Because if you're not, you're just not going to have good ads. So it's it's already being into that mindset that you need to get good content, right? So one thing that at least for us that we've done really well too is there's all these platforms out there that allow you to get content pretty cheaply from like all these influencers. So you can do that pretty easily through influencer marketing. So at least for me, for my luggage company, Chester, we, all our ads are influencer ads, but what we did was we just dm them on Instagram saying, hey, we have a luggage. We would love for you to take a photo or a video with our product. And they're like, okay, this is how much it is. We're like, okay, they'll pay you then. And you just need to pay people, right? And that's, that's one way to do it. It's just literally having an intern, like at least for us, for Chester, we just did it ourselves. Like we would just message them like 20, 30 people every day and be like, okay, let's see if they respond and then go from there. Another way that we done for content too, is use like a local like craigslist for us here or some sort of like local thing where people are looking for jobs and then there you can find people that say hey we're looking for these actors love for you to know your rates can you send me headshots and you can then go and meet them up and record with them so those are some ways that we've done it of course you don't need to go too crazy but honestly I tell people like, if you want to do a Facebook ads, you want to advertise, you really need to be thinking about content as a thing that's like part of your core business, because especially if you want to make Facebook a a, tr- a channel that you want to grow and and perform well for you. Definitely. And I think
1: I love the fact you mentioned about keeping content as part of your actual strategy as a business one of the biggest issues we've seen certainly when we're doing seo and even with some of the ppc activity trying to get content out of people can be such a difficult exercise and it shouldn't be i think the brands that are going places they're the ones that are phoning us up going right you're our seo and ppc agency that we work with we're just about to launch our black friday mystery video it's going out a week before black friday range goes on sale what can we do with it? And we're like, this is amazing video. We can use it on YouTube. We can put it out on Facebook. We can embed it on the website. We can put it on the Black Friday page as a sort of something special is coming. What is the something special? And, oh, it's a whole new product range. So we need to optimize those pages. Let's get the campaigns ready on pause. So as soon as Black Friday starts, we've got a whole new product range that's going to pump out. On Black Friday, offer for a one day only. Again, it's exciting. There's something for customers to like buy into now and, and actually get involved with and be like, yeah, I was one of the people who got that on the day it came out. I mean, I bought a new car during lockdown and I was very excited because it's, it's the new um, model of Audi A4. And I was so happy with it. And you can tell I'm growing up because it's got five <laughs> doors and a big boot. Whereas my last car did not. My last car had two doors and was very fast and very impractical. But I think there's been some really, really good stuff from what you shared with us today, Kevin. So thank you so much for being on the show. What's the easiest way people can get in touch with you if they want to hear more about your business or talk about what you guys do in a bit more detail?
2: Yeah. So you could just go to voymedia.com. That's V-O-Y media.com. Or just email me, Kevin at Voymedia. So if anybody wants like this sort of script template, I can always give it to them. It's not complicated. It's just doing the work. It's the hard part, right? So yeah. Yeah. So that's where you can find me. Yeah.
1: Awesome. Well, yeah. Again, thank you so much for being on the show. Next week, I'm not going to tell you guys yet what we're doing in part four, partly because I don't know. We've got four different options for it. We will be back next week, of course, with at least a part four, if not a five and a six. Um, we're just que- doing the last few bits, queuing up um, a couple of guests for that as well. But um, as I say, if you haven't subscribed to the show, you're very welcome to hit the subscribe button. Tune in every Friday. We'll be posting. We've got some very special guests coming up just before Christmas as well. And I can't talk too much about that yet because we still haven't signed contracts, which I've been saying every week. But yeah, we're signing a, a big contract, but what we can and can't say that week with one of our guests. And then into the new year as well. It's not confirmed yet, but we are planning. Planning to do a Ask the Shopify store owner into the new year. So please stay tuned to hear more about that. We've got some great guests lined up for that already. It's not all confirmed yet, but uh, yeah, very, very excited about that. And if this is the last time you listen to us, then again, as I said, you're very welcome to pop back at any point. So thanks again, Kevin, for joining us, and we'll be back again next week.
0: Sign up for free for the Shopify-approved marketing course at 1000salesandbeyond.com and get our show notes at justaskparker.com slash podcast. Thanks for listening to the Winning with Shopify podcast. See you next time.